Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Thank you, Philip. It's good to see you all today. I want to tell you, Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, we had a glorious time in prayer. Prayed for just a little over. Thank you, Megan. Isn't she Megan? Let's give Megan a round of applause. Thank you, Megan. Is she great? Um, thank you, Megan and Michaela, for singing today and for our band and Phil. Uh, but Wednesday night, we had an awesome time before the Lord. Just praying. A little worship, but just praying before the Lord. Mark on your calendar, November 4th, we'll be doing that again, the first Wednesday of the month. It's called Pray First, and I uh, encourage you to join us. Some have asked, you know, could we stream that? And I would just say this, some things aren't streamable, and it would look really strange, I think. It's not a strange event, but just, you kind of got to be there. And I understand if you can't be here, but uh, those of you watching online... But uh, it is a great time. It is safe and socially distanced. But uh, mark on your calendar, November 4th, as we'll be praying again. Welcome. Good to see you all. Good to see you online this morning. And uh, good to see all of you in the room this morning. You look great. And uh, praise God, it is October, and soon it won't be so hot. Amen? Amen. But uh, I just love that sense of God being our way maker, don't you? Especially in these days and in this time. You know, we come together to worship because we want to hear from God, because we want to experience the God of the universe. That's what we're doing here. We open God's Word and we proclaim it, because not because we just want knowledge, but because we want God Himself, right? I hope that today, during our time, that you have a sense of God's presence. I hope that you have a sense of Him being here, looking for you to respond to Him. That's really what this is all about. It's really what it's all about. Well, today we're continuing our series, as Phil said, beyond your wildest dreams, because I am convinced that Jesus Christ wants to do things beyond what we could possibly imagine or think, Ephesians 3.20. And He does that, how? He does that by strengthening His people, strengthening His people in their inner being so that He can fill them, essentially. And I believe that's what He wants to do. So as we're looking through Mark, we're talking about some amazing things that Jesus does. And some amazing things that He wants to do in us. Today, the title of our message is Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And I put a question mark and an exclamation point next to that word. And you're thinking, well, did you make a mistake? I make many mistakes, but this is not one of them. The word overwhelmed can mean two things, right? It can be an overwhelmed in the sense that this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, right? I'm overwhelmed. Maybe you got up early and you went to the sunrise at the ocean. You looked out over the beach and you say, this is overwhelming as the sun came up or maybe you went out and watched the moon come up and you saw the incredible beauty of the moon almost rising out of the ocean you thought this is overwhelming 
Or maybe your phone went off and we're, we're hearing your songs and that's really fine too. Maybe there was a sense when you were handed your child for the first time, maybe you just got some great news and your biopsy was negative. Maybe you were cancer free for the first time in a long time. Maybe you got a promotion. You're just overwhelmed with what God would do. But there's another kind of overwhelm too, isn't there? Have you been there? Things are crazy. Nothing seems normal. Life demands too much from us. You think, I just can't handle this anymore. There's too much homework. There's too much expectation. There's not enough time. I just don't know if I can do this. I'm overwhelmed. And there's like a question mark there. My goodness, how am I going to go on? Well, we're going to look at that today as the followers of Jesus become overwhelmed and then get overwhelmed. Look with me at Mark chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1, Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. This is an amazing story, the way that Jesus tells it, I mean the way that Jesus lives it out, the way that Mark tells it as he explains what's happening. Remember Jesus, last week we talked about that he made this big, long, circuitous journey from the really the west coast of the land of Palestine uh, over to the north and then back to the east and back down to the south till he got all the way around the Sea of Galilee to a foreign land, uh, a place that would have been filled with people who were knowledgeable about God, but not followers. Had some understanding, but were still distant. They were certainly Gentiles in the way that they lived. They were Hellenistic. They were Greeks, and uh, they lived in the way the Greeks would live. And Jesus gets to this place and he healed a man uh, who was deaf and dumb. And he, he, he healed him and he allowed him to speak. And Jesus poured into his life what he could not possibly understand if it wasn't for Jesus. And so Jesus begins to teach. And we come to the beginning of chapter 8. The Bible says this. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered... And they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to, the, to him, and he said to them. Let me stop there for anything at verse 1, because here's what's happened. Mark says, again a crowd had gathered. So he's reminding us that a crowd has previously gathered that also didn't have anything to eat. He calls his disciples to him, and he said to them, verse 2, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. Have you been on a three-day fast before? Have you been on a one-day fast? Have you been on a one-meal fast? Have you ever skipped any food at all? Three days. They've been with me three. I love the fact that Jesus says, I have compassion on them. See, Jesus is aware of need. Amen? He's aware of physical need. He said, they've been with me three days. Verse 3, And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from afar. Now, if I'm the disciples, I'm thinking, you're telling me this why? These people are hungry. Jesus, you've been yammering on for three days. You should have sent them home. That's what the pagan in me, or you, somebody would have thought. I wouldn't have thought that, right? But maybe... Some, Jesus, it's been three days. They, everyone's out of food. The granola bars were gone a couple of days ago. We're about to starve here. 
It's been great. I mean, it's been powerful. You've, grown, you've drawn a crowd. People are moved. You've taught them. It's great. Why are you coming to us with this? Do you know the feeling? Jesus, why are you asking me to do this? Why is, I can feel this coming, I I can feel this expectation coming into my life and I'm thinking, Jesus, I don't really know why you're asking me because I don't have any more food, really. Why are you doing this? Why are you bringing this to me? And there starts to be this sense of overwhelmedness. I can remember when our children were young, when we were living in rural Palm Beach, we just had two children and uh, we were a young family and... Uh, we had a, a little house there. We had a little yard. And I remember thinking, man, I really need to cut that grass and trim those bushes, but I'm just overwhelmed with everything else I'm doing. And I began to think, I just can't do it. It's just too much for me. We've got to take care of these kids. We've got to take care of this yard. I, I, you don't want to kind of throw your hands up. I'm doing the best I can, but I can't keep up with all this stuff. I'm trying to raise these children to be disciples and all that. Have you been overwhelmed lately? Certainly with all that's going on in 2020, it's a good opportunity to be overwhelmed, isn't it? It's a good opportunity to kind of think, oh my goodness, if something else happens with COVID, with hurricanes, with racial unrest, with an election that's very divisive, that all these things are happening. Do you have a sense of being overwhelmed with distance learning, with jobs being changed and ended and working remote and trying to figure out how to work at your house when your kids are there and all these things that we're trying to figure out? There's this easy, it's easy for us to have a sense of being overwhelmed. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? And I love what the disciples say, the very obvious thing, verse 4. His disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? How how can we feed anybody in this desolate place, Jesus? And if you've read chapter 6, you already know the answer. Jesus has already done it. He's already fed 5,000 people just probably a few weeks ago. Here's what happens. And you kind of look at them and you go, disciples, are you guys paying attention? Were you with Jesus? I mean, has there been some kind of a brain wipe that's happened that you forgot what Jesus can do just a few weeks ago? And you start to wonder, is it because they're just not all that bright? Well, no, they turned out to write some amazing stuff, right? Peter and John, at least, wrote some incredible works, and there were sources for others to write incredible books of the Bible, so they're not dumb. Well, maybe it's because they're in a different part of the world, and they're not at home. You know, they, they've gotten out of their homeland, they've gotten out of Capernaum in the northern room of Galilee, and they've, they've gotten around to the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee, to this kind of pagan territory. Maybe they're just distracted by all that's going on, and that can happen, right? But somehow they forgot what Jesus can do. And I would submit to you that that's what being overwhelmed does. We really forget about the amazing things that our God can do and in fact has done 
When I've got these two little kids, and Julie and I had these two little kids in Royal Palm Beach, I had forgotten how wonderful it was to have two little kids and a great wife in a great little town, right? That's what happens when we get overwhelmed. We forget about the greatness of Jesus Christ and what we have in him. When you witness all that's happening with COVID and political and racial unrest, you can forget about the greatness of Jesus Christ. And let me just say this, I, I would encourage all of us, if we could be as passionate about Jesus as we are about our political views, imagine what would happen in the area of Palm Beach County and in the world. People can quote you all the other side of the political spectrum, everything that's wrong with everyone else, but can you quote the greatness of Jesus Christ? Isn't he far better than any political party and any political candidate? Could, could that not be our heart and soul? Have we forgotten what he's done? Do you understand what he's given you in salvation? Do you understand how amazing it is to be forgiven, to be innocent, even though none of us deserve it? Have you forgotten salvation? Have you forgotten that if you die today, you go to be with him in paradise? Can you remember that? Can we celebrate that? Can we think that, hey, this is rough. And let me tell you, it is rough. And you may need to get some help. You may need to change some things. You may need to evaluate your life. But let me tell you something. Never lose sight of the greatness of our God. They had forgotten that Jesus had already handled a, a situation much more challenging than this one. He'd already handled that. Can you remember Jesus? You see, they had forgotten what they had in Jesus. I want to take a moment right here in the middle of the sermon to remember Jesus. Would you just bow your heads for a moment and focus on him? Remember Jesus. Colossians, it says, he's the perfect imprint of God. All the fullness of God dwells in him. And this man who came and lived and taught and cared and repeated himself countless times, oh. and then he walked to the cross for you and me took my penalty and he took yours and he sent his spirit to live inside of us would you praise him for that your heart of hearts whatever the overwhelming thing is in your life right now would you praise Jesus even in the midst of that Jesus we praise you we love you. We worship you. Even in the midst of this chaotic life, Lord, we say to you, you're our God. Let us never lose sight of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You see, there's a sense in which worship helps us remember who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, some of you may be worshiping online. I want to ask you, are you really worshiping or are you in fact just have it going on in the background and you're really on your phone? Are you worshiping him? Are you taking the time out? Because in this day when you can really see the service anytime, it's easy to kind of say, well, I can watch that another time. I can get, listen, 
Is there a time when you're taking time to go, Jesus, I want to worship you. I don't just want to watch a service because I want to learn something. Or I don't want to just watch a service because I really feel like I should. I want to, I want to experience Jesus the very best I can. I hope that's your heart today. Because if you're feeling overwhelmed, the first thing you need to do is remember who you have in Jesus. What you have. What your future is. How much he loves you. The disciples answered, how can we feed these people in this desolate place? They forgot. But praise God, Jesus reminds them. Right? What does he do? Verse 5. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they pulled out their pockets and they're looking, all right, you know, I got a piece of bread. He's got a piece of bread. And really it's like seven dinner rolls, if you will. They were, loaves were not like a loaf of Publix bread, you know, that's so good, which I'm hungry for right now. You know, they're, they're, you know they're, they were like, seriously, like almost more like a dinner roll or a large biscuit. That was a loaf. Seven loaves is what we got. When Jesus wants to remind us who he is, one of the things he does is he says to him, Steve, what do you got? Well, I got some bread, but I don't really know if I can let go of it because there's 13 of us, don't know if you've noticed, and there's seven little rolls. So we each get half a roll, and we'll find out in a minute they've got some sardines, some little small fish, right? So it's like a can of sardines, seven rolls. See, one of the ways Jesus reminds us of how great he is is he asks us, what do you have? When we get overwhelmed, we start to hold on to everything that we have. We say, you know, Jesus, I've just got to pull in and I don't have anything else to give. Just leave me alone. I've just got to survive these next six months of COVID. Originally, it was supposed to be two weeks, right? And now we're, we're into, I don't know what month. Let's don't even be depressed about it. Um, let's just make sure we get into 2021 and we forget about 2020, right? Um, Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? What could you do? What, see, he asked us to do the counterintuitive thing, which is to give what little bit of we have in order to, as St. Augustine would say, to reorder our loves. See, when we give what we have, even though it seems like a little bit, God reorders our loves into where he, this, this, in, to where he is number one and everything else comes behind him. That's why we give, for example. That's why we give, because it should remind us, no, God, you're number one. You're the most important thing in my life. I have to give a significant amount of money, a significant amount of my time, significant amount of resources to show that you're number one in my life. People always say, well, how much should I give? How much do you have? Especially when it comes, I would, I would say people say, well, you know, the Old Testament says, new, says 10%, New Testament, Jesus kind of affirms that. How much should it be? Listen, I would say this, you could start with how much you're eating. Start with how much are you eating would be a good place to start. And finish at a place where you're overwhelming yourself with how much you want to give. If you want to be legalistic and say, well, I'm hitting 10%, hey, listen, I just want to know, are you giving enough to say that God's number one? Because when we give what we have, Here's what we're saying. God, you're number one. You're most important. And we get to start getting involved in what Jesus is about to do. Now imagine if they had said, there's a big crowd out there, Jesus. 
There's 4,000 people at least, and guess what? We've got seven rolls, so we're just going to go ahead and start doing what we can do, and we're just going to give out our, our little, or we're going to start doing it ourselves, right? Sometimes that's how we are. God, I'm overwhelmed, so I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to take what I got. I'm going to give it away. I'm just going to keep going. That Here's what he said. No, you've got to give it to Jesus. How much do you have? I put it in your hands, Jesus. I trust you with that. It's a very important step because sometimes we just think that it's our job to go out and fix everything. No, we need to come to Jesus and worship. Remember who he is. Remember what he can do with our hands open and everything we have in our hands saying, Jesus, you take it. You do whatever you want to do with it. You own it all. You own it all. I just want to make it available to you for you to use, for you to do your amazing thing that you're going to do. You see, when we trust him with all that we have, he reorders our loves. Verse 6. And he, Jesus, he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. Not only... Does Jesus remind them who he is? But he shows them by taking what they had and using them to distribute it to the people. I love that picture. Jesus didn't need him, but he, he involves his 12 disciples who had forgotten who he is. He reminds them by giving what they have and they get to distribute the blessings of Jesus to the crowd. Isn't that amazing? And now they're able to distribute to everyone. See, Jesus calls us to be involved in sharing the blessings of him with others. Even today, even in the midst of the crisis, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of being overwhelmed, I need to remember who he is, I need to give him what I have, I need to be ready to be used by him to give his blessings to everyone. You say, well, I'm, I don't have very much. I don't really have very much influence. I don't even know who I could... Listen, when you start every day saying, Jesus, you've got my time today, Show me where you want me to have influence. Show me how I can be a blessing. Show me how I can share you with someone else. Show me how someone else can be blessed by you through me today. And it may seem like a very small thing. One simple conversation to say, I care for you. One simple way to say, I'm worried about you. How can I bless you? See, Jesus uses us to bless other people so we get to experience his great miracle. That's what we're called to do. And you know, the disciples are sitting there going, well, there's only this little bit of bread. There's nothing in the hands of Jesus. He can do amazing things. Verse 8. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over. Seven baskets full. Remember, we started with seven little rolls, and now we have seven baskets full. Jesus took this little bit. If they had held on to this little bit, it would have only fed five or six people, maybe seven at the most. But when they put it in his hands, Jesus does the exponential thing. He multiplies it and does something amazing that now they actually get back way more than they ever started with. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. 
and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha, which is over on the other side of the lake. I love this story. It shows us and reminds us of the greatness of Jesus Christ. In the midst of being overwhelmed, he stands ready to do something amazing. If you're overwhelmed today and you came and said, I I just don't know how I'm going to do the next step. I don't know how I'm going to do the next thing. I want to urge you, you just need to stop and worship. You just need to stop and say, Jesus, you're amazing. You are a great and mighty and awesome and powerful God. I worship you. He stands ready to do that so he can remind us who he is. So he can remind us who he is. Worship him. Trusting Jesus with the little you have, remember, reorders your loves. Trusting Jesus with the little that you have reorders your loves. When Jesus said, I want you to give your money, or I want to give your time, I want to give your attention, I want to give your influence, it suddenly puts him at the top of the list. When I say no, Jesus, it shows me where my heart is. See, sometimes we're overwhelmed because we've forgotten who Jesus is and our loves are way out of order. And we don't have that spiritual strength that we need to have within us. We don't have that filling of the Holy Spirit because we've kind of kicked Jesus to the side. He says, worship me. Give me what you have and distribute what I give you. When we distribute the blessings of Jesus, you experience his greatness. And there's nothing that helps a memory more than an experience. Amen? When you have an experience with Jesus, it's something that stays with you. It's the story that you remember, right? It's the great stories from your childhood that you remember. The great times, the great events, the great victories, the Miami Heat winning Friday night. Amen. If you didn't see it, you need to go back and watch it. Don't know what's going to happen tonight, but it was unbelievable. You remember that. I remember those times with my dad. I remember the fish we caught. I remember the times that we had, even though he's been gone for 17 years right now. See, sometimes I'm afraid that we just know about Jesus and we never have an experience with him. In the midst of being overwhelmed, he wants you to know him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to let him use what you have to bless others so that you can experience his greatness. Would you be interested in that today? You see, Jesus wants to move us from being overwhelmed to being overwhelmed. He wants to move us from, I just don't know if I can take another step, it's too heavy, to saying, oh, you wanted me to follow you and take your light burden and your easy yoke. But show me what to put down. And let me experience your greatness. Let me focus on you, Jesus, and not all these other things. We need to replace what overwhelms us. When you get overwhelmed with Jesus, your life will be a lot easier to figure out. 
this morning. Has that been your experience? Have you been in his presence lately? Have you been overwhelmed with his presence lately? You may say, Steve, I don't really know what you're talking about. That's never happened to me. I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to obey the rules of Scripture, and I've tried to follow Jesus, but I've, I've never really experienced his power. I want to encourage you this morning. Evaluate your heart. Have you been trying to earn his love and his goodness? Have you been trying to do everything right in order that Jesus might do something good for you? That's not at all how it works. See, the way to know the power of Jesus is to say, Jesus, I have no worth at all before you. It's only because of you, Jesus, that I can have any worth at all. You need to say to him, Jesus, I I, I repent. I need for you to save me. I need for you to save me and make me good because I'm not good. You need to ask him to be your Lord. Some of you may say, Steve, I, I just need to worship him. I know I just need to turn my head back towards him. Stop and experience his greatness and repent of this constant desire to prove how good I am. Lord, remind me of how great you are, Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.